noticed that people are still having sex, all the denouncement had absolutely no effect. Parents and counselors constantly scorned them, but people are still having sex and nothing seems to stop them. Hello, friends. Welcome to I Don't Get It, the sexiest pop culture get off my lawn <laughs> podcast. Hey, America, are you up? <laughs> We feature the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, and I'm joined by, on my right... I am your other co-host, Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And this is a very special day, lady and gentlemen who yes. are listening. <laughs> to, my, to my left, we are joined by another very special guest. Rachel Kramer Bussell. I'm an erotica writer and editor and... You have a book coming out? Yes, I have a book coming out in, in Dece- December 11th, Best Women's Erotica of the Year, nice. Volume 4. You've had a number of books, though. Like you are does not have any stories about what we're going to talk about today, but maybe... <laughs> maybe the next, next volume, next, Volume next 5. Time, yes. Rachel Kramer-Bussell is the closest we've had to, I think, a genuine bona fide culturati on this show. Yes, an expert. Someone an who expert. actually has verifiable expertise well, also, in the topic who, we're talking who has about. a draft in the public on the public eye. Uh, yes. Rachel is a, a many times published author, editor, speaker. Um, she's being a little humble, but she is uh, certainly one of the more famous and productive people I know in New York City, even though she doesn't live in New York City right now. But yep. she, she's yeah. been at it Thank for you. a while. A, a Like you said, a writer and an editrix. Yes. But I like curmudgeon. We're both curmudgeons. We are both curmudgeons. And an expert in the sex field. I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, that you've actually had sex in the past. Is that I have. Yeah, yes. how about that? Thank you. Wow, what's that? Curmudgeonly like? sex. Yeah. And, and non curmudgeonly. <laughs> to be honest, that's why we brought you here. <laughs> You're yes. the only, per- Can the you only person we know. <laughs> Can you please tell us what it's like? <laughs> Oh, boy. I still remember when my nephews were nine and they asked me if I had ever had sex before. (laughs) And the first thing I said is, well, first thing you should know is that's a very personal question. There are very few adults who that's okay to ask them of. I'm one of the few. All right. So our topic today, the reason why we've gotten so prurient so quickly is because we're talking about a woman named Ashley Manta today. Uh, And my written notes are as follows. She describes herself as a high priestess of pleasure, a sex therapist, combining the pleasures of lovemaking and cannabinoids. I would never write the word lovemaking myself unless I was... Lovemaking. I thought you were going to say cannabinoids. You never write the word cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. It's a good word, cannabinoids. So she is, Ashley Manta is an authority on mindfully combining sex and cannabis as part of her, this is a copywritten, trademarked word, the canisexual, canisexual brand. Sexuality. So as a professional sex educator and coach, she helps people navigate these topics to make sure they're interacting, loving, and feeling. Again, I'm not, these are not my words. These are crypt. Feeling their best in and out of the bedroom. She was nominated for multiple awards from X-Biz as a sexpert. She's called a cannabis influencer, one of the top five nominees in the 2018 California Cannabis Awards. Uh, she is most probably most visibly uh, seen on Viceland's TV, uh, Stone Sex uh, show which is hosted by Slut Ever, Carly. Scott. Yeah, I saw the Slut Ever video. I Scottino. think the show is called Slut Ever. Yeah, and that was the what, what, episode. Carly, what yeah. am I missing? What is Slut Ever a pun on? Slut. Whatever. Slut. Oh, and whatever. whatever. Oh, oh I just saw Slut Ever, and oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> What, what, what does the ever have to do I don't know what it? to tell you, my friend. Slut ever's like, whatever. Oh, God, I'm getting old, man. So, yeah, we... we <laughs> too, too much of the cannabinoids, huh? This is, this is a fusion of a, of a lot of weird stuff. We're talking about sex here. We're talking about millennial age people. We're talking about the introduction of pot culture, too, which we have never, ever... Yes. And she's a resident of California where... 
It's legal. And she's stitched all things together. So we're well, this is all uncharted territory. Which <laughs> oh, I, yes. <laughs> I think we have a good guest to, to do this with. And, and, yeah, this is we don't usually have guests, as you know. It's a special occasion when we're when we're face-to-face. Yes, I'm in New York, in case you're wondering. We're not doing this. Right, right. Distance. It's a Thanksgiving deal. Thanksgiving so spectacular. I'm going to uh, – I want to hear from Rachel first and foremost because Rachel was the one who brought the topic up to you, Noah. And yeah. you, you just know slightly more than we do. And you've actually met her. So can you uh, give us a little rundown of your impressions about what we're talking about here with canisexuality? I just want to make it clear. I did suggest this as a topic, but I really don't know that much about it. Um, I do know Ashley from sex conferences, sex ed circles, and I follow her online, and I'm kind of intrigued by this combination of pod and sex in a way that's not just getting high and hooking up, but like more of a deliberate thing Constructive, but I yeah. really I have had sex in the past and I have <laughs> I have like smoked pot probably like 25 years ago when I was in high school tw- once or twice so I am not the aficionado of this um trend I guess if you want to call it but I'm intrigued by it because I also I'm kind of intrigued by just how pot culture and pot like life business like it's so I don't know when I was in Denver it was just sort of very there was a lot of stuff that you don't see at least where I live in New Jersey or not it's not I think places where it's legal and places where it's not there is a gap well let me ask you this though putting aside the pot for a minute does she strike you as someone an authority on sex the sexuality side which you are an expert on like what you get from her does she know what she's talking about yes yeah, I so mean she, I, she's okay. been a sex educator and teaching classes and I see. things like that because for the last I don't know exactly how many years. I think the count of sexuality has been like the last five years. But within that world, yes, I mean, I she, she she's has a she's someone worth listening to. Expert, yeah, she started okay. in the topics that she covers. All right, I think in school she started out as like she was like a, a crisis um, intervention. She was, I think, like talking to people who were rape victims early on. I, I think one of her first bits of of uh, public outreach was dealing with women who were coming right out of a sexual crisis experience. Yeah, that's yeah. where her like bona fides began from what I saw. And like this whole thing was a refinement. Like you said, she turned it into something. I mean, my impression, and I don't I don't want to be, I'm not like an expert on Ashley or chemsexual, but um, my impression is that it grew, her interest in this grew out of people being interested in it. You know, like that people asking about her, wanting right. to know more of it, like both her personal interest in it and experience, and then people wanting to know more about it, which is I think how a lot of sex experts, which I actually don't consider myself. I mean, I, I write a lot about sex, but not in the like sex educator sense. Not like therapist. For me sense. personally, but yeah. I think a lot of people, the feedback they get from other people is what drives them to learn right. more about it and to delve deeper into it as an area of expertise. I, I would imagine there's a lot there, of bullshit there's some, in that world. But there's, there's education that people go through. Like, I don't know the exact, like some people go to the, the in San Francisco, there's a Sfissy S-S- SI, which stands for, I think, San Francisco's Sexual Institute, something like that. Something like that. Like, you know, that's like a school. Like, that's like a, right. I don't know if it's, it's not exactly like college, but it's not like one class. And you're right, but my assumption is there are people who don't even think of going to school. They just start a blog and they go, I know everything about sex because I've had sex with yes, 30 people. Yes, there may be people and, like that, yeah. but I would say in the community of like sex educators that I follow and interact with, right. they're, they're not They're not like that. that. They're, they actual, they actually, well, they're she, not all bullshit. Right. She doesn't sound like she's bullshitting this to me. Yeah, she no, sounds no. very much like she is. I'm not trying to cut you off, Rachel, but I, I feel like she 
sense, she makes sense biologically what she's saying. I think she understands the sexual mechanisms of sexuality. I love the way she speaks about, she says, she calls people like people who have a penis and people who have like vulvas. And yeah. it's, she really is, is talking about everyone very inclusively in this, oh. this, 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 this top down way of referring to people and sexuality and how, you know, how much on a spectrum and a continuum it is today. And I see that's first and foremost, it seems like that's where she's coming from. And that's also, I think, something that is much more prominent or easy, easy is not the right word, but natural for people who are, let's say, in their 20s and people yeah. who are in their yeah. 40s who, were frozen when to we a binary. were in college, that wasn't really, yeah. what wasn't well, being, and I went to Berkeley, like, in California, like, wasn't really being talked about there. I went people. to a total hippie woo-woo PC 90s college. And okay, where? I went to Carleton in Minnesota. Okay. I never heard the term transgender when I was there. But, you know, now, of course, most kids can't imagine why anyone would object to changing yeah. your gender identity or, or so, you yeah. know. So I think that is also a reflection of age and generation yeah. and, and the times we're living in now. So you want to know what I think of Ashley? I do. Manta? Uh, no, I, I said something before that Rachel said, that's harsh, and I over I think she's fine. I think Bringing endorsement from Noah. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I think sex and marijuana are both both perfectly fine things. Neither is a big part of my life. I'm cynical at first because I feel like, hey, I want to get attention. I'll combine two things that get attention, sex and drugs. And every article I read about her made the same three points. And every article seemed to be go, isn't this wacky? Pot and sex together. And it seemed a very shallow idea. Now, if you dig deeper, she does care about it. She has given it thought. It isn't just about getting high and fucking. She is very thoughtful about it, but it, it seems like a very shallow topic to me. And maybe that's just because I don't care. <laughs> right, but that also could be the way media treats it because well, I it think a lot media, yeah. of sexual topics, they get like, ooh, people are into BDSM or people yeah. are into furries or, what, yeah. or whatever it is. Like, if it's not, you know, mainstream, a lot of mainstream, you know, media like wants to do that to sexual topics. So right. this is just it, it, one more right. with something that also seems maybe sensational, even though drugs really aren't and, that and sensational anymore. And the good thing anymore. is she treats Especially. it as more than that. There's there's depth to it. She she really comes at it from a therapeutic point of view. There's a warm friendliness to it, and it's something inviting and non-judgmental. Yeah. And, 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 and even when she gets woo-woo, hippie-hippie about the crystals and the bath salts and all that, sometimes I roll my eyes, but then she gets beyond that and gets back to, look, look, if this isn't your thing. So I, I really admire her. She's clearly a very smart marketer. It seems like a bit of a thin topic to me. I think marijuana should be completely legal. I think it's a decent thing, but I roll my eyes at a lot of, like, pot activists. A lot of this carries over. I don't drink alcohol from like wine people, like different strains, like really. Like I think a lot of it is people just want to get high. And and whatever, that's fine. If you want to get high and you're an adult, fine. Sit on your couch and eat Doritos or sit on your couch and, and jerk off your <laughs> now boyfriend. Now you sound like a convention. Well, but what, fine, but you whatever you want. Right so it doesn't hurt anyone. But like, I was talking about this actually with someone the other day, like comparing pot aficionados to gun aficionados. In both senses, I roll my eyes like, you're obsessed with something that seems like the obsession comes from a kind of childish place. The difference is, no one who smokes a lot of pot doesn't result in thousands of deaths. So I don't care. But I guess I feel like to say childish place feels like, couldn't someone say, any pop culture thing you're into is childish or, yes. or, or if not childish like irrelevant to like the world at large well, I mean like you know where's the line of like what's 
important. Yeah. I guess they're, important. They're, they're right. They're treating it as more important than it is. I remember but seeing to you, like to, to me, them, yeah. I mean, like you, they might say you're treating like trivia as more important. But than I'm not it saying is. trivia is going to change the world. I saw a manifesto once that okay. like pot activists need to take need to take a lesson from gay activists and black activists. They stood up and they gained their civil rights and they gained more okay. rights. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, it's okay, just yes. weed, man. Okay, yes, I agree that <laughs> that it's just. Pot is not as important as civil rights. Yes, but I, mean, I, people, hope. I feel like people, and granted, I'm giving one outlier example, but I feel like people treat it with so much more importance than it needs. It's fine. If you want to do this for fun, that's great. But I also think, like I was saying before, like if this wasn't a thing that people were interested in, then Ashley Amanta wouldn't be able to, like, you know, have, like, consult with people about it or, you know, I, I don't think it's just the media. Like, like, or whoever, but, like, it's a supply and demand kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, clearly there's people who are interested in combining pot and sex. Well, because most people like sex, and more and more people like pot, and a lot of people like the two together. Right, but what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. Well, no, but I you just roll of... my eyes a little because I, <laughs> because I think people are treating it with more importance. But I also think, like, I mean, I, I said I don't know that much about it, and I'm probably not, like, the personality type to be, like, regularly smoking pot, but also, like, there's this weed lube phoria that, like, I would try, but I can't get it because I live in New Jersey. Yeah, that's a, that's a gig. Although supposedly, like, marijuana is going to be legalized, but probably. that was... It's been a while. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say that I think that there is something that uh, we, we're kind of dancing around a little bit. And it's weird for me to bring this up because what, you know, I, I have zero credibility on it. But there's something about her being, first of all, she's a woman, identifies as, I guess, she's poly. It seems like a lot of her therapy here is really talking to women and people yes. who identify as women. Yes. And there's a corrective, I think, sexually for, you know, a culture like ours, which was built from the ground up to make sure men get yeah. off. La ladies just lie there. Right. And, and, and Women and, don't move. And that women, women should prostrate themselves in front of male sexuality or whomever is describing themselves as such. This, this seems like a good corrective to me of someone who's actually trying to be therapeutic towards what people who, who identify as women might actually need. Just because, again, the, every, we are moving at a thousand miles an hour, and it is only becoming more sexualized. And, I mean, for as much as we are getting into the curlicues and the Rococo areas of sexuality, it's like you still can't beat how fast porn is going, and you still yeah. can't beat how much the instant gratification of younger people is just completely gobbling yeah. a generation alive. And for someone to try to tap the brakes lightly or just kind of get off the train and say, well, we can slow it down and we can talk about how you would increase sexual pleasure for women and those or those who identify as women is almost counterculture. It's it's kind of... Retro? Is that what you're No, no, no. Almost like oh. iconoclastic, yeah. if you yeah. think about it. Just because... Well, and so I also, from what I know, which is, again, not everything, and not that much. Um, Mom, gain some she's, confidence, she's, Rachel. She's bringing sexuality into the pot world. Yes, the pot world. You know, is, and yeah. I have no idea really what that. What I don't even know pot world. I've never said that before. But you know, like I, you know, I know she talks about this at pot conferences and events. And I mean, I I would assume her audience is more pot people who are then interested in sex than coming from the sex oh, people. I, was, I, I don't know, maybe not. That, that's my impression, maybe too. Maybe it's both. I was almost going to say, it looks like her core competency was sex therapy and sex education kind of thing, and I think that's where she started out and mixed in the recreational component and well, sing. She, she found a niche, and it's a, it's, a, it's a sticky niche, which is why she gets so many articles. So, uh, But getting your point, Bill, that's very good about... But, Rachel, I feel like you would know this. Like There has been a lot of conscious efforts to 
turn the sexual thing toward women's needs and women's desires and away just from to the, acknowledge the them, mainstream period. culture of like, hey, yes. what do guys want? I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, they, they might not get as much example, but there are a lot of examples of like, correct me wrong, so your books seem to be written more for a female audience than a male yes. audience. Yes, and I mean, I yeah. think, I mean, not to like derail a conversation because this could be its own thing, but like Fifty Shades of Grey, with which a lot of people hate, setting aside like the actual Fifty Shades of Grey product, let's say, the <laughs> cultural... It's not a book, it's a product. The cultural effects of it, I am all for, because I think yeah. it took those conversations and, first of all, made them super mainstream. Like, it was literally everywhere, you know, you know, mainstream yeah. media, like, news. People were talking about, like, things that they were not talking about before that. So I am a massive nerd about sex. I love it. I love everything about it. I love pleasure and geeking out about conversations and communication and like how to make whatever you're doing even more awesome than it already is and like how to drop all the shame and all the bullshit that we've been given our whole lives about like how we're supposed to look and act and interact with each other and like what I'm supposed to feel about my body and my pleasure and, and what I'm allowed to ask for and like all of that shit I want to throw it away. Why is canisexuality getting attention? Why now? Well, if there's anything people like, it's uh, rutting on top of one another. <laughs> rutting. <laughs> You're such a romantic, Bill. The, uh, rutting. The grueling business of intercourse uh, and anyway, forth. People still well, love you it. You do it wrong, yeah. It's, as popular, business, it's yes. as popular as it's ever been. It's booming right now. <laughs> this this sex, sex thing's going to catch on. It's really going to catch on. <laughs> also, this, you know, like, I kind of had a feeling that us talking about something that was drug related, in this case, marijuana cigarettes. Marijuana uh, <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> that this is, this is something it's like we can talk about Lana Del Rey all we want. And that's 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 cool and that's nice and another topic on a, a previous I don't get it show. Weed is completely out there in terms of like I, I'm I smoked pot twice in my life back in nineteen ninety two. Me too. And in it, last year, because I was trying it out as an analgesic for, for arthritis. And so, you know, I, I, it didn't, I don't like it. I don't like the experience. So I've only smoked it twice. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reliable alcoholic. <laughs> so the thing is, but the culture, you know, like we have this, you know, the thing that is already present in culture about uh, pot consumption. We have hoary, you know, Cheech and Chong memories of what the culture looked like. It was this thing that wasteoids had. And it's very, people have a much different relationship with, yeah. with weed today much the same way we have a different relationship with sexuality and, and masturbation and pornography and all these things that, again, uh, Ashley Manta is uh, tackling all these things that I have really frozen preconceived notions of from being a kid about both of those things. And she doesn't have any of those preconceived notions. She's able to come at it fresh. And I do then also think that people who are younger, you know, who are, let's say, 18 or whatever, is that how old you have to be to buy it's 18 yeah. or is it 21? I, no. Uh, I don't know. Good question. Okay, whatever the legal age of you know buying pot in places where it's legal, those people have even less hang-ups yeah. yeah. around. Hang-ups, probably that's, both. That's it. I mean, literally, I'm just you're describing the hang-ups of a 43-year-old man who grew up in a pretty standard white Catholic suburb on Long Island, and you know the things that weren't avowedly said were just you know in culture. They were just it was just the bricks with which the world was built with. Again, kids. I love the freedom that somebody would have a lot, a lot fewer, many fewer hangups about either pot and or sex. And th how could this not be a, a logical extension of the good, the good parts of society being lubed up, if you will, you know, being made to run a little better, and, right. and losing all those sort of puritanical hold or all that 
fucking judgmental bullshit that that we're going to be stuck with in our lifetime. But the our nieces and nephews and like we'll probably have many many much less of that, if not com a complete abrogation of that sort of thing. From what I know, you know, she's showing people how to combine them for the best effect, like you know, to their advantage and yeah. also safely. I imagine maybe there's ways you could do it not as safely or it wouldn't be as fun or whatever. Getting high and then having sex I mean, in, I, a, in, in, a, a in a moving car? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what do you I am like you in that I don't have, I have like barely any experience with pot, so I don't really know how it affects people's libidos or what it does I think physically. it affects everyone differently. You know, I would imagine that people who want to do this and have it improve their sex life, hopefully, I assume, now they, they have an outlet for that or a mm -hmm. access to that. And is I that is that why you would say it's popular? Would that be your... Why I would say it's popular? Um, I mean, I think it's catchy. Yeah. You know, like you said, marketing. I think it's... Yeah. Um, and I think it's also maybe they're just like, oh, this is something new I haven't heard of or, or I'm curious about. I mean, I think there's a lot of curiosity factor and a lot of sexual experimentation generally. You know, maybe someone's like, oh, would I like that? Would I not like that? I mean, how would you ever know until you try it? I agree with both of you and disagree with both of you. Um, I agree it's quote-unquote <laughs> catchy in that people like pot and people like sex. And there's still, even though there's more open minds about both those topics, there's still, especially on younger people, a rebellion sense to both of them. I imagine a lot of people look at this because this is a way to be different or to rebel in some certain way. I'm going to smoke weed and I'm going to be more open to exploring sex beyond, you know, good old-fashioned American, man on top, lights out, under the covers, get it over with quick. Um, hey, were you there last night? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bill, I'm going to disagree with you about the younger generation having fewer hang-ups, being more open about sex. I think there's a core of the younger generation that is. I think there's a core of our generation that is. But, you know, we were talking before, there's an, a cover story in The Atlantic, I believe The Atlantic this week, about why kids in their 20s are having less sex. I think young people, I don't know if they're more hung up about sex, they're certainly hung up in different ways. I agree with that. They're hung they're up in different ways. I mean, it's, Fair you know, there, there's much less of a stigma about pre -marriage. It's not about, ooh, I can't have sex till I'm married, but I think people are, young people are very hung up about sex, just in different ways. I mean, I'd love to talk to you about this, because I'm sure you've thought about this more, Rachel, but like, why are young people having less sex? Well, I don't, I haven't read that article yet. Yeah, but you probably read know, similar articles. But I do articles. think that hookup culture is more prominent like in colleges now than it was when is, is it really hookup culture like yeah like All just right. people aren't from what I've read and heard people aren't as dating as much you know it's not yes. there aren't as many relationships which I mean I have no judgment about that per se but like I think there is a lot of hand wringing around that I, I get the from impression conservatives but I mean and I don't I don't know like and I don't believe in the gender binary but I'm gonna just make a blanket statement like I do think that affects men and women generally differently like that sure. hookup culture I think I think there is still sort of from everything I've heard about like the 60s with like you know sexual revolution that was largely like male sexual revolution and women were kind of not as benefiting from it as much and I think hookup culture to some degree same thing which is not to say that some women don't want to have hookups but I think there's an imbalance from what I've Red. I kind of feel like our generation was like artificially repressed in certain ways because of AIDS. You know, the age we were growing up basically feel like it was pounding in my head. If you have sex without a condom, you will get AIDS and you will die. A lot of that has subsided both because at least for upper middle class and above people in the United States, the th fear of death is less and two, education. I've been a sex educator for 10 years, but I'm also a sexual assault survivor. So um, I was sexually assaulted when I was 13. That was my first ever sexual experience, and it totally warped the way that I approached sexuality for a long time. 
I didn't trust people. I had a really deep-seated narrative about like that I needed to be sexually pleasing to be worthy of attention, and and that I all of my value came from what I could do sexually for other people, specifically guys at the time. Before I realized I'm also queer and an equal opportunity Woo! slut. <laughs> I love it. I love bodies. Bodies are great. If you were a, a millennial, is that what you yeah. say? Do you think that you would be a more into this? No, well, because when I was young, I had almost no sex and I was bitter about that. So anything sexual I would view as like taunting me. And I didn't smoke pot till after college and I barely smoked it in my 20s. But what so... if both of those were like freely available all the time? No, because I was too uptight to smoke pot. So probably not. I would probably let this go over my head even more so than it does now. I guess I'm mildly curious about it, but like I say, neither of those things are a big part of my life. If I get to a place in a few years where one or both of those things becomes more part of my life, I might embrace it more now, but not yeah. when I was young. What about you, Bill? I have never dated in my life. I've been in a series of two monogamous relationships since I was 18. I have actually more experience with pot than I do with, uh, with, <laughs> with romance. Believe me. I've, oh, that's sad. There's, there's, only two, there's only been two people. So the thing is, it's like, this isn't really, this is kind of an N.A. for me. Yeah. I've never been, haven't even seen a grown lady naked at this but point you, in my life. But you could combine, you could have combined. Yeah. Could, could you not have? Combine? No. No. Okay. no. I mean, that's the thing. I, not only did I, I didn't smoke pot for any number of reasons. A lot of them were judgmental reasons because the thing is, in my family, without getting too far into it, there was a really bad stigma from my uncles who, who, smoked a lot of pot in the 80s and then they moved on to cocaine and selling mm -hmm. cocaine on Long Island. Right. And so the smell of pot became this danger thing. And actually she said so herself. She had associated her attacker when she was 13 was a heavy smoker. And so she, she had the same visceral sensation of the, the smell of pot as a danger to her. Now I had a very different reason for that but still the association was this is not a safe practice and this is something that makes me the Venus flytrap closes shut at this. No, I've never been in, uh, never had the, the impulse to smoke pot and like I said, it took me a long time to become comfortable around other people and lose the stigma of what it meant for me when I was a kid. So if I if I take that and add that to the fact that I've never seen a woman naked or had any kind of sex in my life. So I, I don't think it really applies to me just because I, I didn't really have any of this this culture. There, this if Even if this stuff had been available, there's no way either more sex would have been there or pot. But this they isn't just... about dating. This is about, I mean, her point of view seems to be you, like, assuming you have a partner. Yeah. Yes. Now or then I was going to do this. I wouldn't do it with like someone I just met. Right. Because I would have no idea how I would react or they would react. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's... If I was a kid today, like if I was in today's environment, I still don't think I would be... I wouldn't... Just because I'm not born in 1975 doesn't mean I'd be a big smoker. And I think I would still have the same holdovers and hangovers. And also the fact that I don't like the experience. I don't like the... The, the intoxication from smoking is much different than alcohol. And I had to smoke in my adult life to know what the difference is to say, I do not like this feeling. This is not a good feeling. You know, you say this is not applicable to you, but I feel like it's the opposite reasons it's not applicable to me. You're in a relationship. I'm not. I mean, I guess we're talking about when we were young. You yeah. were in a relationship. I was not. True. You had a girlfriend all through your 20s. Yeah. I had a girlfriend probably a total of one year of my 20s. Right. So you do the math. Yeah. So what about not you, Rachel? Question, I, know. I mean, it's so hard to say, like, what would I have done 20 I know. This is always an insane ago? question. Because also sometimes I'm like, you said 43, and, like, I just turned 43 yeah. like a week ago. So it took me a second to be like, oh, wait, that's my That's age me. Too. Yeah, we're <laughs> all 43. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm in my 40s, but no. it still sometimes feels weird to say it. So anyway, um, but then you think, like, 20 years ago, it sounds like a long time. Um, I don't think I would have. 
because like I didn't like now like maybe I would but I don't I don't think I would be doing it on an ongoing basis because I just don't really I don't know I mean I really can't say because maybe I'll try it and I'll be like this is amazing this is great where's this been my whole life maybe yeah. maybe I mean I don't know well you said before you're curious about it but like I am that. curious I'm like I think I think there's a part of me that's often curious about things that like seem foreign for lack of mm -hmm. a better word and I'm like would I like that? But then I'm also like, there's a part of me that's like, would I just then want to do it all the time? And then would I, like, I, I, I think with pot or with other drugs, like my concern is A, that like I'd become like addicted to it and be like, it would interfere with my life. But also like, how do you separate the time that you're high basically from the rest of your life? Right. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not like you can just be like, okay, I'm going to be high from like 7 to 10 p.m. and then move on some it, some you know, do I mean, some maybe. do yeah. they have a, yeah. Yeah, they compartmentalize I, it like I, that I, I could see a fear why people might want to stay away from this kind of thing being like well you're just numbing your problem and like you're not really experiencing sex if you're high now ashley manta emphasizes it's not it doesn't have to have a psychoactive dose right. but you know it's a slippery slope so if the idea is you know she says it's about more than smoking a blunt and getting right. it on but you know it, it can lead to that there are, there's a thing in the woody is it any hall where Diane Keaton's character can't have sex unless she's high, and that bothers Woody Allen's character, and then he goes and molests a little girl. No, that doesn't happen in the movie. Okay. My mission is to help people mindfully and deliberately right? combine sex and cannabis. Nice. Okay. And so tell us what, why? Why would we mindfully and deliberately combine sex and cannabis? Well, the goal is to deepen intimacy and enhance pleasure. Yes. So, Bill, is the rise of kenosexuality the combination of marriage hoochie and, <laughs> and naked adult time? Are those things, is that combination a sign of the apocalypse, the end of society, the end of the world? Do you mean sexy, naked, lay down dancing? Is that what you lay mean? Lay down dancing. Is that what you I mean, like Noah? Yeah, no, fun. I don't think it's apocalyptic at all. I think it is for the, you know, to a certain degree, I, I tuned in, I watched the Viceland stuff, I, I watched a bunch of her videos, I read some, you know, the, the, went to her website, and I, just almost like stopped at a very superficial point because I thought this is very constructive for uh, a lot of her audience is, is going to find this who needs to see something like this. The nuance of what it might be doesn't apply to me. And it's kind of like almost like looking at Sanskrit to some degree. It's like I don't get what performative sexuality looks like. And anytime if you're talking to Carly Sciortino, there's a little bit of this performative sexuality. And I'm, I'm even a little put off by, again, that's part of my white middle class Catholic upbringing. I'm a little put off by performative sexuality. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't it doesn't apply to me and I don't understand how it works. But I don't think there's an apocalypse just because this is the beginning of that conversation where we're actually addressing non-male, non-penisoidal uh, stimulation. <laughs> and this, the, like I said, that, that barreling snow piercer going through the Arctic wilds of male sexuality, of, of pornography yeah. all the time, of, of boobs and blowjobs and anal sex and everything that's like just being thrown at the wall and everyone has to conform to it because it's like get the hell out of the way or get on board. But I don't think everyone has to conform to it. No, they don't. I'm, and I'm not saying they do. What I'm saying is that there is this gigantic gravity to all that where a lot of people have some pretty, you know, they have a lot of weird, it's not just the hang-ups. It's like what you can get a woman to do at a certain age that you could not get them to do in 1988, for instance. Yeah, but and, there's the problem, get them to do. Yeah. That it's no, that's it. But I do something. think that that's 
still how a lot of boys yeah. and young yeah. men are. It's, it's yeah. only getting well, worse. Ta taught, not from, obviously, I hope not from school, but I mean taught from the culture, Culturally, taught from yeah. their peers. I think that is still accurate. Yes. But don't you think a lot of women are taught the flip side, which is what are you going to let him do? And are you going to let him have sex with you? Maybe. I mean, I think you're right that not only is it not a sign of the apocalypse, but I think it is from what I know, which honestly I have researched this less than you guys, is that it is about sort of expanding our ideas about what is sex or what is sexy, you know, that to, to something that's less intercourse focused necessarily, or that's more about a more expansive experience from what I understand. And I think that is a positive thing because I think that is something that would be good for anyone, whether you're using pot as the vehicle or not. I mean, we've made a lot of progress obviously since let's say like I graduated high school in 1993. So since then, there is still some of that in our culture that that is what sex is. And then if you deviate from that, like if you're, yeah. if you're not straight or if you're not into whatever, then, then you're not quote unquote normal. Um, all right, so, oh, you wanna know if I think it's a sign of the apocalypse? No, not at all. Because I think both pot and sex are basically good things at worst, benign things and well, I mean, sex benign. I'm like, over sex, people having a lot of sex is at worst benign. Also, like I said before, it's easy to ignore. So even if there are aspects of it that I roll my eyes, like people are taking this stuff too seriously, like I don't care, so. And I also think though, they can take it more seriously, like because pot's now legal. Like if right. it wasn't legal in some states, right. this wouldn't really be able to be a thing as publicly as it is. So I loved doing a lot of work with cannabis to learn how to love my body, to hold my stomach and not feel ashamed of it, to get okay with, you know, underarm or chin or whatever it is that like gets in your head mm -hmm. and to get out of that place and to come to a place of like real genuine compassion for my body and gratitude for the way that my body helps me move through the world. Rachel Kramer Bustle, is your dislike or any apprehension you may or may not have, or maybe this is not applicable, does that reside in any kind of jealousy with you? I wouldn't say jealousy, um, maybe curiosity, but I feel like if I really wanted to try this, I, I could. Now, I have a partner, so if we wanted to try it together, we would either have to get pot which i guess you could i, I don't personally know like if i was like okay oh you could you could <laughs> okay, no but that easily I, i'm sure i could but i don't i literally not really i i actually know that's not true i kind of i could but um it's not as accessible as like california so i don't really feel like it's jealousy because it it is theoretically accessible to me. You know, maybe I will try some aspect of it at some point. I hate smoke, like in general smoke and just any kind of smoke. So it will probably not be that way. Every episode, Rachel, you should know, I'm basically jealous of everyone because by <laughs> definition, simply the fact that we're talking about it means they're more successful and famous than I am. Uh, but I guess I'm less jealous of this woman because she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Oh, man. But that was harsh, too. <laughs> what? That's not, I don't have a Wikipedia page. I'm saying I'm less jealous of her because she's not as famous as some of the other people we talk about. 
Uh, no, she actually, I don't know, for some reason she listens to this. I'm, I find her very impressive. Look, I, I guess I'm jealous of her marketing acumen. Like, she does the work, so it's not bullshit. I will say that. But she's like, hey, pot and sex, that's, these are sticky ideas. I'm going to become the, I'm going to be the pot sex person. And then, you know, and then all these newspapers and magazines and websites are going to want to talk to me. That was smart. I'm jealous that she had that idea and she rolled with it and she made it happen. So, yeah, I'm jealous, sure. Well, I'm not jealous of the smoke part. There's an inner 13-year-old that lives inside me and has been there since forever that always looks at the, there's the wall of sex that I'm on the outside of, fogging up the glass, right? And and it's this idea that people are look look how easy it is to get laid and to spray this this this. Uh, but it's not. That's a medium myth. I know, but yeah. it's like it's it's hard not to look back at it with the um, outside because I don't have a lot of experience anyway. So it's all a giant, giant kind of mystery to me. So it's not a resentment, but it is definitely a deep envy of it's like wow, look at this. I if if it, maybe it's a myth, but it's like it's a attractive myth that people right. just fall out of a tree and get laid. Yes, you but know? I think that is a myth. Yes. yes, that's what we're saying. But it's an attractive but it's, myth. But it's part of, yeah, everyone seems to think everyone else is having more sex That's that. That's exactly it. Everyone seems to think, and especially, you know, that's a big toxic part of the male psyche in a lot of places is this idea that there's a fucking sex party happening somewhere yeah. around a corner that you just, it's like, people are hiding it from you. Right. If you and say that, the one right thing, that sexy woman on the street will have sex with you right now. Yeah. And, and it's just because you're too stupid to say that. And then there's right all those thing. those guys who are blaming the, the Beckys and the and the Brads, right? The, the women who refuse them and the men who are yeah. getting all the all the, you know, all the action. And they don't deserve it because I'm a nice guy. Why yeah. can't these horrible, awful, evil women see that I'm a nice guy? Calm, calm down, calm yeah. down, calm down. I'm not saying that I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm playing a character, sir. <laughs> I'm not saying that I, I, I'm inhabiting that mind space, but it's like I, uh, the myth, though, the myth is very pervasive. That but I think, like, it's really dangerous. I mean, we've seen these... Like, yes, it's fucking I don't like dangerous. fueled by this... I mean, I'm to the people who think that, like, clearly it's not a myth, you yeah. know? And I think I don't have an answer to it but I think I, I don't think the answer is like more secrecy though I think more openness although I could see how what you're saying that in some ways like more openness like you know whatever sex sledever or people talking about it as openly might make people think that oh it everyone's just a, it's a taunt having, yeah. Yes. yeah I could see how they could think that but I, I think that they have to take some responsibility of oh definitely I'm not saying of okay, it's your fault that people aren't having sex. I'm saying like of, well, maybe of media analysis of like that that's not truth, even though it might right. seem that way. I think that takes us to the yeah. end of an episode. We'd like to thank our guest Rachel. Thank you so much for coming into New York and lending your expertise to this uh, matter, Noah. <laughs> You're good too. You're good too. Thank you. Well, it's nice to be back in New York. Just always. for a temp temporarily. So yeah. you can find past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write at Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Visit I don't get it podcast.com and give us a motherfucking review. On iTunes, please. On iTunes. This is the only way it works. We entreat what you. about the other places? That doesn't really work as much. Like yeah. iTunes is the that's okay. that's grand central for this kind yes. of thing. So I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. I pretty much live there all day, annoying people, posting things that are not true that I just yeah. mendacious, fallacious things. Uh, and my YouTube channel is uh, uh, AM Caesar. Uh, Noah Tarno. Bigquizthing.com. I'm all about the big quiz thing. The trivia game show, spectacular live trivia events, customized nationwide. Holiday season. I'm busy, but uh, book your event now for the end of the year, the beginning of next year. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Big Quiz Thing. Yeah, that's all I'm going to mention for now. Where can we find you? 
rachelkramerbussell.com and at Raquelita on Twitter and Rachel Kramer Bussell on Instagram. R-A-Q-U-E-L-I-T-A. Okay, that's very important. And Bustle spelled B-U-S-S-E-L. Yes, exactly. Not like the Don't Don't spell out the other one because then they'll be confused. Okay, good. Yes, thank you. Don't repeat a lie because it enforces it. Okay. All right, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this uh, this big dose of sexuality yeah. and drug culture. I hope stuff. you're horny now. Yeah, really. Go go yeah. out there and do something about it. But for God's sake, take care of yourself. All right. A production of American Caesar Enterprises, 2018.